So the title of the message today is Warning. Your religion may be hazardous to your health. Uh-oh. Gary, lock the door. Don't let him out. You've got to hear the whole thing first before you run away screaming, okay? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the love and grace that you have shown to us. We were enemies of God, and you made us family. We don't understand the love that you had that allowed your son to die in our place. We don't understand the love he had. When we were sinners, he died for us. But we are so grateful. Help us always to be enamored, amazed, astounded by your love and grace. May we never take it for granted. May we never willfully sin, counting on your grace. May we choose to love and serve you. May you be honored and glorified, not just by this time that we have together looking in your word, but also by our lives when we leave this place, by the way we live, by the way we act, by the way we think, by the way we pray, by the way we give by the way we serve. In Jesus' name, amen. In Matthew's chap- Matthew chapters 21 and 22, uh, there's a dialogue where Jesus is answering questions. He's in the temple courtyard, and, and he, there's been questions going back and forth, and then he gets into Matthew 23, which is where we were last Sunday morning for part of, part of the chapter, and will be this morning. The conversation shifted in chapter 23. In chapter 23, he begins a long monologue against the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And so he he shifts the dialogue back and forth into a monologue, uh, basically preaching a sermon saying, don't act like those guys. Now the Pharisees thought they were better than everybody else. And Jesus said, don't act like them. In fact, he said, your righteousness has to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. We need the righteous gift from God through Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at some of the woes that he pronounces against these Pharisees. But let's start at the end of the chapter. Let's remember the heart of God. Here is the tender heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Do you see that? Do you see that heart of God? Uh, You've heard that maybe you've seen or heard Uh, that a mother hen will cover over the chickens. Uh, She'll make sure they're in under the wings, those baby chicks. And uh, there are stories told, and and they're true, a farmer uh, walking across his field after a fire. And there's a hen that's just burned in the fire. And he kicks the mother hen, and all these chicks come running out. Because mother hen had put them under her wings. And they survived, though she did not. Jesus said, that's how he feels. 
The same passion that a loving mother feels for their baby, that's how Jesus feels for us. Jesus said to him, I wanted to save you, but you would not respond to the call of God in your life. We read of Jesus on the road uh, to the cross uh, where he sees people weeping on the side and he tells them, hey, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves and your children because I know what's coming because the judgment of God would come upon them. So in the heart of the Lord, in his heart, he does not want any to perish. He wants all to come to repentance as as Peter wrote about in part of his testimony of Christ in his letters. And so here Jesus said, I wish you would respond to my love, but you won't. Now, this is the backdrop. They say that uh, a diamond shows its magnificence on the backdrop of a black. And so if you go into jewelers and they bring out diamonds to show you, they put black there. I've read about this. I've never actually seen it. I don't go into those high-end jewelers. I go to Walmart. No, not really. But um, but, but I, I nothing wrong with buying jewelry at Walmart. I just never have. Uh, anyway, they would lay out this black cloth and they'd put the stones there so the magnificence would show up better. So let's reverse that. Let's take this black, ugly thing and let's put it against the backdrop of the blood of Jesus Christ and his amazing love for humanity, for the very people who hated him. Now back up to verse 13. Here's the fussing at the Pharisees. Here's the woes to them. But let's keep it in the backdrop of he does not like this. This is a loving parent who's rebuking a wayward child. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Notice there's a lot of exclamation points in this chapter. Uh, Hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. So he says, listen, you Pharisees, you are like blocking the doorway to heaven. If this was the door to heaven, he'd he'd say, you guys are standing in the way. What you're teaching is stopping people from being able to get in. You're teaching them to focus on the wrong things. You're emphasizing the little things. You're neglecting the big things. You're making following God all about rules and regulations. I've been in a church where the pastor said from the pulpit that it was worldly for men to have a beard or a goatee. Uh Uh-oh, we just had Ben up here leading the singing with a beard. That's not a biblical standard. The Pharisees had, I started to say thousands of rules, but they actually had 613 specific rules and laws that everybody had to follow every week in addition to the commands of Scripture. That's a lot. And so everybody was focusing on, did I do this right? Did I do that right? And people do that sometimes in church. Did I give enough money? 
No, you didn't give more. No, I'm just kidding. You give, it's between you and God. Yes, the church needs money, but it's between you and God, and you answer to God, not the church, for what you give. Just remember that. Um, and then, uh, but he had all these rules of how you give and where you give and what you do, and, and they made Christianity a checklist. Are you a, a good Christian because you carried a real Bible and not one of those little electronic things? No. The electronic one's just as much the Word of God if it has the Word of God in it. It's even okay whether you have an Android or an iPhone. God doesn't care. Just read His Word. So the Pharisees had all these rules, and Jesus said, You shut up the kingdom of heaven. You make it very difficult for people to follow God. Now, let me give you an illustration. There's some dads who have been such poor dads, they make it really hard for a person to trust the love of God the Father. Because when they think father, they think abuse. They don't think one who loved me enough to die for me. They don't picture that. So this with the Pharisees were making people not even want to go to heaven. And the ones who did want to go to heaven, they were having them focus on all these rules and regulations instead of opening their heart to the Lord. Verse 14. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore you receive greater condemnation. Now, some of you might think that's really weird what I just read because it's not in your Bible. Because there are some translations that do not include verse 14. And they say verse 14 actually came from this account in the Gospel of Mark. And then it later got added into Matthew, and it wasn't part of the original text of Matthew. But it's here in my text, and uh, I trust this, and it's clearly in the Bible. And here's what he says, um, whether you're going to whip over to Mark to see it in your Bible or see it right here. He says, you devour widows' houses. Now, I was with a friend. We were in another city. We were in a, I started to tell you where, but I'm, I changed my mind. I'm not going to tell you where. It was here in Arizona. And uh, there was a pastor in that community who wanted to partner with our church when I was pastoring in a different community. And I was pastoring in Sahurita, and so it wasn't a long distance, and he wanted to partner. And, and so I went down to view the church, and what, well, I had a friend who had business there, so we went down and, and uh, we you know, did some manly things like shooting at dead things and targets and stuff. And then, then we went and had meetings and I tagged along with him through a couple of his business meetings and he was going to tag along with me through this church meeting. And we just happened to mention to the people in his business meetings about did they know anything about that church? And that pastor, three different people said, that guy rips off widows. Don't have anything to do with that church or that pastor. And so we didn't. 
we met with him very briefly, decided no, and left. And then some of you will remember uh, Virginia Fisher. She was a member here for quite a few years. Her husband had passed away, and then uh, I think her mother passed away a little before her. Uh, but Virginia was in poor health for a long time, and her mother did pass away first. And so there, uh, Virginia had a bank account that she shared with Alberta, her mother, and then she had a bank account she shared with her daughter, and she had never done anything about it. And as her health was failing, she said, I want to get the money out of that bank account, and I want to put it in this bank account so then my daughter has those funds. And I said, well, I could do that for you if we get a note, because she wasn't physically able to go to the bank. She'd been in and out of hospice uh, by this time. And so we had a notary come, and she notarized a statement from Virginia authorizing me to do that. And I went to the first bank, and at the bank I had them very carefully write me a detailed letter saying exactly how much money came out of that account. And then I took that, I went to the check, and I went to the second bank, and I deposited it, and I had them write me a letter specifically exactly how much money went into that account so that it was proof that 100% what came out there went in there. And then I gave her daughter copies of those letters as well as the bank withdrawal and deposit slips, and then I kept the originals because I didn't want somebody saying, that pastor fleeces old ladies. Actually, one of the members of our church asked me if I could help that person to to change her will so that none of the money went to the kids, it all came to the church. I said, no, I can't. I'm not going to go there. If you want to do that, you can do that. You answer to God for that. But don't get me involved. And so they were fleecing widows. These Pharisees, they would take money from people. Now, in our culture, sometimes a widow can live fairly comfortably because they had some life insurance and they had some Social Security, but not every widow lives comfortably. In their culture, no widows live comfortably. They all struggled financially. And the Pharisees fleeced those widows, just like some people do today. Sometimes in the name of the Lord, sometimes in the name of a great investment, they take advantage of widows. God hates that. The second part of that verse, he said, you make a pretense, uh, for a pretense you make long prayers. I used to think it was wrong to pray long prayers. Because of that verse. But see, that's not really what it says. It's wrong to have a long prayer that's focusing on you. And so here's my rule. When I pray in public, I keep it short. When I pray by myself, I could pray a long time. It doesn't matter. It's just me talking to God and listening to God. So you could pray for an hour if you wanted. That's not wrong. However, if you pray in public, please don't pray for an hour. (laughs) Keep it shorter. But these guys, they wanted everyone to hear their voice. So they would pray and thank God for the fact that they had memorized Scripture and the fact that they knew this and that and the fact that they gave money to the church. And they'd pray this long prayer so that people would be impressed with them. And as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, 
That didn't impress God at all. In fact, it wasn't even a prayer. It was just a monologue. It was just a guy talking. Because it's only prayer when your heart is chasing after the heart of God. Verse 15. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself. See, they were encouraging people on the wrong path. They were involved in outreach, but in outreach they would go out and teach error. And they would uh, invest in bringing people into their cult worship. You say, wait a minute, weren't they believers of God? No. They started out as believers of God, but they strayed away and became believers of self. And they trusted in themselves and they followed themselves and they traveled around and tried to get people to commit to the schools of Phariseeism. And when people did, they learned not to follow the true God, but to follow this false religious construct. Verse 16. Woe to you blind guides who say, whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing. But whoever swells by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind. Don't you love the subtlety here? For which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind. For which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift. Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. <coughs> Excuse me. See, these guys would give themselves a way of escape. They were masters of what we would call today legal ease. Uh, they sought technicalities and escape clauses and loopholes, and they didn't commit to things. Now, two things about this. Notice what they focused on. It wasn't the temple. What was it? The gold of the temple. It wasn't the, off the altar. What was it? The gift. Both times they're focused on money because that was the Pharisees. They were guilty of greed and they were enamored with money. And so you, you could swear by the temple, oh, that, you could get out of that one. I didn't swear by the gold of the temple. That's okay. Was it another version you were listening to? occasionally phones do really weird things. I was watching a show the other night, and Megan walked out with her phone, and all of a sudden it started talking real loudly. And with my hearing, I couldn't hear either one. And sorry you had to experience that. That's all right. We'll talk about you later. <laughs> Woe unto you! <laughs> Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. Jesus went on and on about this. Why? Because this is really important. What they were doing was they were perverting the worship of God. And they were saying, listen, if you made a vow, you can get out of that vow. 
as long as you didn't do this part of the vow. And so when I was a business manager, uh, I loved working with guys who'd give you a handshake deal, and then when you're working out the document with their lawyers, it was exactly what the handshake deal was. But there were some, it wasn't. I had to read every line of every contract, had to read, have our lawyers read every line of every contract because some people tried to slip things in there. Guess what? God didn't do that. God reveals himself. In fact, to Timothy, Paul said, from a child you understood. The truths of God's word, you don't have to be brilliant to understand them. In part, you can never fully understand God. But in part, you can understand those principles when you're a little kid. You understand it more completely as you grow in the Lord. But the Pharisees gave loopholes. And uh, when they talked about the gold and the offering, they exposed their own covetousness. And uh, the Bible says you cannot separate Christ from the body. They can't worship the Lord God and not care about the, the temple or now the church, but you can't focus on the church and ignore the head, Christ, either. It's connected. Now, I want you to turn uh, to Matthew chapter 5. Mark your spot here. We'll come right back. They were giving themselves loopholes. When they would swear an oath, they gave themselves an out. They gave themselves a, a way to get out of it. Uh, they uh, had technicalities and escape clauses built into everything they did. Uh, but in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 33, Matthew chapter 5, verse 33, Jesus is preaching and he's comparing what they have been taught with what God's heart really is. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all. Now, this does not mean when you're a court of law and they say, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, uh, so help you God, which most courts now alleviate that, so help you God. But uh, you can swear to tell the truth. But in your daily conversations, don't say, if you have to say, I swear this is the truth. Well, that means most of the time it's not the truth. He said, don't be like that. But I say to you, verse 34, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. That would be kind of cool if you could make them two-tone, wouldn't it? Oh, anyway, verse 37 but let your yes be yes, and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. See, what the Pharisees were doing is actually from Satan. They were making loopholes and they were swearing by things instead of just be, saying the truth. Your word should be your word. If you give your word, it's a bond, it's a commitment. Which, by the way, let me encourage you, be careful how you promise things. I get so tired. Actually, probably Kathy gets really tired of hearing me. 
if we're watching a show, and I like to watch some cop shows, and, and, we're watch, and they promise this kid, I promise you, we'll get this guy. And what do I always say? <laughs> Don't promise! You can't promise that. Only God knows if you'll get the guy. I read a story this week where a lady actually got the guy on tape to confess his crime and recorded it, and the police got it. But before the case could go to trial, the victim, the lady, died. And so the court would not allow that testimony because he didn't have a chance to face his accuser. And so he got away with it. Don't make promises. Promise to do your best. When people say, oh, pastor, I promise you I'll be there Sunday. I think, dude, I'm hoping I'll be there Sunday. (laughs) We all go up together between now and then. Don't make promises. You can make commitments. I'll do my best. That's good. I'll get off my soapbox now, and let's go back to Matthew 23. (laughs) But Jesus hated the way these guys would make loopholes and uh, technicalities, escape clauses and things. He hated that. So let's get back. Uh, We went through verse... uh, Let me get in the right chapter here. We went through verse 22. Verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These ye ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Is, is Jesus expressing this very clearly? How crazy these guys are being? They'll, they'll strain to make sure they don't get a gnat and swallow a camel. That's a funny image. Uh, it's like that a song, there wasn't a lady who swallowed a fly until she swallowed the horse. She's dead, of course. Well, uh, these guys were spiritually dead too. Well, look, look what Jesus said. You're looking the wrong way. Now, does Jesus criticize them for tithing? No, he doesn't. However, they were looking the wrong way. Leviticus 27.30 says, All the tithe of the land, whether of the seed or of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Deuteronomy 14.22 Ye shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the fields produce year by year. They went beyond even the rule of the tithe because the rule of the tithe said they would tithe of the first fruits, the seed, the grain. But they were even tithing on spices, not merely on the seed of the grain. But they neglected the more significant truths of Scripture, justice and mercy and faith. Now look, Jesus said, um, these ought you to have done, these you ought have done without leaving the others undone. He said, don't leave the tithe undone. I know believers today who say, well, tithe is Old Testament. That was part of the law. Tithe is giving 10% of your income, of your first fruits, uh, of the benefits of your labor. So that would be from your investments or from your job or uh, 
I give on gifts too. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's a biblical requirement because it's a gift. It's not from your labor, but but I do. And so uh, people say, well, that's that's under the Old Testament law. And we don't have to do that anymore because of the New Testament. It says you just give as, as the Lord leads in your heart. Well, actually giving preceded the law. Before the law, Abraham gave tithes to the Lord through Melchizedek. That was before the law. So tithing is what we would call transdispensational. It is in more than one dispensation, even in the Old Testament. And so I think it continues into the New Testament. But, but I'm always intrigued because nobody wants to say, Pastor, could I give 25%? Do I have to only give 10%? Uh, no, you can give generously to the Lord. And if you can't afford 10%, start smaller and work your way up to it. But listen, in the New Testament, God raises the bar on everything, right? And the Old Testament law, what was it? Don't murder, right? What did Jesus say the New Testament law was? Don't hate. So the Old Testament law was don't commit adultery. The New Testament, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, don't lust. He raised the bar. So if we say 10% is the Old Testament law, he raised the bar. Listen, I think God would be pleased if you would tithe and give offerings to him. Well, let me remind you, you answer to him. I don't sit down. I know of a pastor who asked people in his church to show their W-2s so he could see whether they were tithing or not. We will never do that. See, I would rather you get in trouble with God for disobeying than me have to do something like that because that would be wrong of me. I would start doing what the Pharisees did of focusing on the money. And they didn't want to do that. That Jesus didn't, didn't want them to obsess about the money. So he called, <laughs> wonderful description here, uh, in, in verse 25, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee! First clean the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside... of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so you also outwardly appear to be righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness." They were focusing on the exterior. They were focusing on the money and neglecting the more important things of the law. They were focusing on the exterior and neglecting the heart. See, the inside is what we have to clean up first. And then the outside comes from that. We get our heart right with God, then it's easier to clean up the outside. They were pretending to be righteous, but God knew they were spiritually dead. And then in verse 29, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! 
You build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous. Who are the ones that killed the prophets? The people just like the Pharisees. And yet they worshiped their tombs. Uh, Verse 30, you say, If I had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Jesus said, Yes, you would have, because they were seeking his death, and he knew they would seek the death of others. Listen, this is a description that sounds like uh, Saul of Tarsus, the Pharisee, who became the one who would torture believers before he himself became a believer. Look at verse 31. Therefore you are witnesses against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. Serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. These very Pharisees would be the ones persecuting the early church, persecuting the Christians, seeing that Christ himself, Jesus, was crucified. The Messiah they had longed for, but now rejected, was crucified. And some of his disciples and apostles would also be crucified. And they were blindly pursuing their religious faith. But their heart was not right with God. Back to the tender heart of the Lord in verse 37. Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The one who killed the prophets and stoned those who were sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing because they would not believe the Lord. Their house is left desolate. Verse 38. See, your house is left to you desolate. Those who trust in the Lord will forever receive joy in his presence. Those who do not will suffer forever away from him. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus would love to protect you from the final judgment that will come upon humanity at the end of our days when we will all stand before Christ. We will all be judged and he is the judge of all the earth. And we will stand before him. He would love for you to be righteous in that day if you receive him as your savior and trust and follow him. If you don't, you'll be like those who did not believe, like the Pharisees who faced his judgment, whose house was left desolate. If you do, you'd be like those who say, blessed is the one who came in the name of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to be our ransom, to provide our salvation. See, religion can be hazardous to your health. 
if you get following religious rules and regulations. What God wants with you is a relationship. A communication where you're talking to Him in prayer and listening to His Holy Spirit and you're listening to Him from His Word and you're growing in that relationship and that understanding and your heart is being transformed. God does not take delight in checklists. Did I do my tithe? Check. Did I read my Bible? Check. Did I pray before I ate? Check. So sometimes we pray in the middle of when we're eating. Sometimes we pray at the end. Because the Bible says it has to be received with thanksgiving. And so this morning we got at the table at all different times because I was running late and we had extra things going on. And so we're all starting to eat. We're kind of wait till everyone's there and then we pray together. And so Megan, we're all at the table and Megan holds out her hands for her girls and it's time to pray. And Megan looks at me and Normally I pray on Sunday morning, but I had just taken a big bite of sanctified bacon. <laughs> and so Megan prayed. Listen, God wants your heart, not your checkbook. When something goes wrong, don't think, oh no, I didn't follow my checklist. Think, God's working in my heart through this. Don't be like the Pharisees. Don't let religion destroy you. The lost people laugh. And they say religion is responsible for most of the problems in this world. And they're exactly right. Because religion destroys. Religion divides. Religion devours. But Christ saves. Let's be followers of the Lord. Let's worship Him and pursue Him. And if people tell you, I don't like organized religion, tell them, oh, come to our church. Our pastor's really disorganized. <laughs> Just tell them, listen, in our church, we focus on a relationship with Jesus Christ. This time of year, You'll have great opportunities to witness. You might have great opportunities to witness for Christ. I hope you'll do that. I hope you'll draw closer to Him. I hope your word will be your bond. I hope you will respond to Jesus' love when He said, I wanted to wrap you in my arms and I'll keep you safe. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? If so, are you extending that grace to others? Why don't you just take a moment and really think through your life, your own heart, your own life.